Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Your daily download of X929 X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. A fine pair brought to you by Shane Holmes. Paired homes that keep your neighbor's noise on their side. It's Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. I'm Beckler. I'm Shauna. Just Sorry. took a big swig of flavored water there. What are I you did. drinking? I took a giant protein bar bite, then I need to swig it down with water. With uh, the knockoff version of Mio in it so that it tastes like not water. What's the knockoff version? It's called Zazz. <laughs> Show me your Zazz. Let's see it. Here's my Zazz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Compliments, right? The compliments it's, brand. Yeah, che- cheaper. So uh, that's what I go with. I don't drink water unless I flavor it. Uh, I, I really struggle. It's easier to get down when it's flavored for sure. Like I'll look at a, I will look at a cup of water on the table and I'll be thirsty. And if it, it doesn't have any flavoring on it, I'm just like, man, I'm good. Really? Even yeah. Calgary's water is so good. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't know. That, so that's why this stuff will make me drink way more water. So that's what I use. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever, whatever causes you to drive in India. That's good. Right? Just yeah, that's it. Drive in your eight cups a day. People are uh, always a little shocked when I bust out at a restaurant or something. And I'm like, well, I need to drink water. So I'll just do a little <laughs> Of the restaurant. <laughs> we went for lunch with uh, the Shane Holmes folks on Friday, and yep. you're like, "I'll get a beer and a water," and then the water comes out, and you pull out your own meal. My and own start meal, and I Everyone's like, "What?" Yeah, I'm like, I'm so, I had a headache, so I, I won't normally do that. But if I have a headache, like I had a headache on Friday, so I was just like, "I need to drink water right now." So then I did. I put it out because I knew that it would get the water in me. You should try these. These are my favorite things. I had this on my list of favorite things at Christmas. These are All Max Amino Cuts. So it's kind of like an like an amino acid, like a BCAA, yeah. but it's got a little bit of caffeine in it for energy. Oh. And it just tastes so good. McKenna and I just power through this stuff. So you put that in your water to make it flavorful. Yeah, because I, uh, I drink six liters of water a day. So that helps. That as much, yeah, now with this stuff. But yeah. before that, I would have probably not even drank half a liter. It's good to get it in you. Mm-hmm. Um, still, we got a ton of snow yesterday, so that was kind of the, the story yesterday here. Uh, had a really fun snow day with the boys, though. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Now it's just freezing cold for the rest of the week. Yeah. Uh, on today's show, Heritage Moment, because it is Wednesday, a eulogy for a Canadian TV channel. We're going to talk a bit more about ChatGPT. Food fights, people who get married really young, a TV trope. I just read a, or sorry, I listened to an interesting audiobook from one of the wealthiest people in Canada. We'll talk about that. This new rule up in Edmonton about their pools that you've probably heard about. A sound that I can't stand and some small town news after your out of context clip of the show. Balf, Alberta. Balf! Balf! The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I somehow stumbled across this old newspaper from 1908 and it's from Balf, Alberta. Funniest town name in Alberta. Absolutely. I'll Uh, I'll die on that hill. I know. Balf, Alberta. Balf! 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 It's called the Balf Sun. Okay, and we do this thing where we make fun of small town news, right? Yeah. Where we find the headlines that you know are are big news in small towns, and then in real big cities they would not be big news. Right. At all. Uh, this is the OG 
of small town news. Like the headlines from this paper are hilarious and what the segment is all about. From the ball from the ball sun. In what year? In nineteen oh eight. Nineteen oh eight. Uh so I have these headlines here and some of them I passed to you back So if you just these are all do it? legitimately <laughs> from nineteen oh eight in the ball sun. Small town news with Beckler and Shauna. There is a garden party that is going to be held on Mrs. Sandin's lawn. <laughs> Julius Olson of Fairy Point was in town today and took out two loads of binder twine. <laughs> Miss, this is real. This is these are real headlines. This is okay. Miss Hoff, who has been quite ill for several days, is able to attend her usual official duties. These are just social engagements. And it's people's first and last names because, of course, everybody knows each other, right? Oh, my God. And Gilbert Peterek went to a task win on business the Saturday last. (laughs) Anyone else who might be headed up that way is asked to correspond with Terry. He's heard there's a great whorehouse in the area. Like these are all it's just people's personal. It's dealing. people's personal. That is how small. This is what small town news is. Okay, the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Everyone knows the term nails on a chalkboard or nails on a blackboard. Yeah, it's an offensive sound. Yes, everybody hates it. Irritating. Ah, oh, your voice is like nails on a blackboard. Right? It's just universally Thank irritating you. sound. No, no, not you. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Not you. Everybody has their I'm own sorry. opinion. <laughs> Oh, that came out wrong. That's fine. Um, but I, I was thinking about how that term is very dated because most blackboards were replaced with whiteboards many years ago. Like when I was in school. I don't know about Brampton, where, where you're from. No, no. We still had chalkboards. Still chalkboards? Couldn't okay. afford the whiteboards yet. It's fine. Yeah. But those have since been replaced by smart boards in many schools. Oh, man. So very soon we're going to have a generation... To whom you say nails on a chalkboard and just get blank looks in return. Like yeah. they they will they might not know what what that means, what it sounds what the like. How is a chalkboard? Yeah. yeah. But uh, this was inspired by something I heard yesterday that I would like to nominate as the replacement to that phrase. Okay. I was at a store, and the cashier was ringing through my order on a it looked like a fancy new touch screen system, like a point of sale system, um, and she had those long fake fingernails, and the sound of those tapping on a screen is just awful. It's okay. just awful. A lot of people love that sound. What? That's why they do like it. The, Those, I don't have long nails, but the... Yep. Like, the, the girls who get long nails, a lot of them love that sound. Oh, I cannot yep. stand it. Interesting. all I think about when I hear that sound is like, it's one of them's going to break off and that's going to hurt. That's the part no. of ASMR. Like people, there's all kinds of videos online of that exact sound. Nails tapping, Yes. Eh? Yeah. Like in, and for me, the sound of nails on a chalkboard, yeah, that makes me cringe. But the, I'm cringing. You're not even hearing it right this, now. I'm just the, thinking about that it. tap sound. That doesn't do it. No. Really? No. Even the long fake ones that really click. No. Wow. It doesn't really bother me. Oh, I don't like that. Although I'm a weirdo because we've talked about this before, but the sound of nails on jeans. Wait, you don't like that, right? I can't stand it. It's <laughs> it's hilarious. My mom used to like as a kid just be like, "How? Why is this offensive to you?" And I don't. There's a sound about nails on jeans that oh, I can't. It makes my finger like I have to put my fingernails in my mouth if I hear it. If for some reason that helps, I'm a strange human. I know I'm the only person who has that. I but think, oh, even thinking about that now, oh. I think the last time you told me about that, I scratched you my did, jeans and right into the mic. People do it all the time I? when I when I say that, and it. 
even thinking about it right now, I'm actually covering my fingernails. I so going oh. forward, I will say that's like nails on a touch screen or fake nails on a screen. Whichever one you can relate say, to, because that one does make sense. And then I'll say it's like nails on jeans. Everybody's oh, it like, sounds well, like nails on jeans. What is wrong with you? <laughs> the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Friend of the show, Evan, sent me this article about how all patrons are now allowed to be shirtless at City of Edmonton pools. Yeah, I saw this story going around last week, I think it was. Yeah, and he was asking how Terry felt about this. So what's happening is the city says they're working toward more gender equality. So if you're a, a girl or a boy or whatever, you are allowed to just not wear shirts at these pools. Yeah. And so the same rules basically apply to everybody. If yeah. You, if everyone is allowed to go topless if they want. Which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, Ter- it's kind of the way it should be, I think, right? I agree. Uh, Terry didn't feel the same. Really? The comments on the article were a lot of Terry's being like, I don't I don't think that that should be. I don't want to have to show my kids the you know, exposure to breasts oh, and all no. kinds of stuff. Heaven forbid your child see a breast. I know. The thing that keeps babies alive when they're young. The problem is, is that, huh. yeah, as Terry said in one of the comments, it's always the boobs you don't want to see that you're going to see. Well. I was like, holy hell, Terry. Terry, that's the way she goes, buddy. Calm your tits. Seriously. <laughs> okay? It's all going to be fine. It's fine. I think it's awesome, though. I think that we should yeah. walk toward this. Ever- like, who cares? It should be the same rules for everybody. I think and, so. And, I mean, the, the thing is that effectively it doesn't matter because nobody is going to, like, That's no women it. are going to go topless in City of Edmonton pools. I, I would be shocked if anybody ever has. Yeah. And anybody, we're, it's just so ingrained in our culture, right? That women have their tops on that I don't think it's going to, I don't see that changing anytime soon. No, maybe down the way it will and women will be more comfortable doing that and it'll become less of a thing. But as of right now, it's nice that that's the op. It's an option. Yeah. It's kind of really a nothing story, I think, because it's not, I think what it does though, is it, 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 it doesn't put any staff in an awkward position where, you know, they don't know someone's gender identity and they mm-hmm. have to go up and say, you have to put a shirt on, yeah. you know, that doesn't, so it takes, it takes all that awkwardness away and the potential for, you know, we've, like oh. we've talked about this before and how prudish we are in Canada and in comparison to the rest of the world. I was like, it's time. Let's just, who cares? Take off more clothing. Let's go naked eventually. I hope that eventually the shock factor that comes with, yes, somebody who might be topless, you know, kind of goes away a bit because go to Europe and it's, it's kids see it all the time. You walk around and, and there's people who yeah. are topless and it's just, it's a non-issue anymore. It's, so I hope that down the line, maybe we can get to that. Yeah. I see, still see it being so far away. Oh yeah. Like I said, I, we got a long ways to go. As far as I know, you can walk around topless here, but have you ever seen it happen? Can you? I think so. Sweet. I think I'll double check that, but yeah. I thought you could, I thought anyone was allowed to be topless around here, but I, no one does. Great. No women would. The fact that the option is there, I think, should be there, and that's that, though. You know, then again, there was a time when you couldn't, when women didn't show their legs, right? So maybe, maybe a hundred years from now. Okay, ankles were super risque at one point. So yeah. Hundred years from now, it might be boobs everywhere. You never know. The Bangler and Shauna podcast. Last weekend, I listened to uh, the audiobook version of Chip Wilson's book. So. Chip Wilson is the dude who founded uh, Lululemon. I have one of his books, and I haven't read it yet. It's I a, need to. I wonder yeah. if it's the same one I read. Because I think he's got two out. But, Interesting. Um, he was the CEO there, too, until he was forced out a few years back. He mm-hmm. made some controversial comments, if you recall. But he's been popping up in my TikTok feed lately, and I just find what he has to say about like his retail philosophy and his business philosophy to be very interesting. And well, my wife, very McKenna, successful. So, oh, yeah, and he's yeah. one of the richest people in Canada. 
Um, and my wife McKenna works for the company, so I, that made me interested as well. Mm. I didn't realize he grew up in Calgary. Really? Yeah, and he got his start selling. Like his first business was selling shorts along the Bow River out of like a lemonade stand, basically. So I knew he got his start in Calgary, but I didn't know that he started selling shorts a lot. Selling That's shorts. super funny. Yeah. And then he started West Beach. You remember West Beach? Oh. Which I always thought was a Vancouver company. Yeah. But no, West Beach started in Calgary down on Stephen Avenue. I didn't know that Chip Wilson started West Beach either. Yeah, oh. and then when he sold West Beach, that's how he got the money to start Lululemon. But, I mean, if if you believe his account of it, West Beach was kind of at the forefront of skateboarding and snowboarding in all of Canada at the wow. time. Wow. And I know we have some friends of this show who, you know, have lived here for a long time and were kind of at the forefront of snowboarding before you could even really legally do it on the hills before yep. it was allowed. So I wonder if any of our, our friends remember that store. That's crazy. Because I remember West Beach. Yeah, I remember the company. Yeah. And they're still around. But um, wow. he said there was really nowhere for the kids to skate at the time, so he built a skateboard ramp in his backyard of his house. And it's amazing. would let kids come by and skate there. So like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. A cool piece of Calgary history. No kidding. Um, of course, like this is, a, it's, the, it's the autobiography of a, of a rich dude. So, I mean, I've kind of kept that in the back of my head the whole time I was going through the book. It's his version yes. of how everything Vince, went down. Yeah, for sure. But there was this one really funny part, because like Lululemon is like the, the quintessential Vancouver business right like they're all about that like west coast lifestyle and stuff yep. but he said when they were looking to sell a stake in the company years back he would suggest to potential investors that they do the grouse grind hike in vancouver mm -hmm. because he wanted to see how they would handle that that's like, hilarious because it, it is known as it's a hike yeah it's the stair it's climber right that's what they call it nature stairmaster oh yeah because it's just like straight, straight up stairs it burns the butt yeah um, but he said if if he would pitch this idea, if, you know, if a company was interested in buying a stake and he said, okay, well, let's do the grouse grind. If they like didn't want to do it or if they were hesitant, if they struggled at all with it, then he would think, okay, they're probably not a good fit for our company then. That's hilarious. Yeah. That but makes I sense. I <laughs> if you don't appreciate the grouse grind, then it means you're not outdoorsy. You're not so. outdoorsy. Yeah. You don't want to go hiking. Yeah. Where it's like so much business seems to be done, you know, on the golf course or over drinks. I would love to go for a hike and and do business that way. That would be way more up my alley, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's too much more that's too much work. Too much work. <laughs> Everybody else who does business, they're th they're there to have drinks and not do yeah. a whole lot of physical activity. But there's sometimes a bit of adversity on a hike, right? If it's challenging, Absolutely. if you hit bad weather and how do you handle it? How do you react to that? You could probably learn a lot about some somebody Absolutely. based on yeah. how they handle a difficult hike. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. Right on the show Rhiannon asked if we've discussed the TV trope of food arriving too quickly. So when you're watching a show, all of a sudden they'll order and like food will be there instantly. And I was like, uh, I don't think we have really discussed that before. Um, it makes sense because, of course, in TV, it takes valuable time to have the characters waiting that perhaps they don't want to express in TV show time. Yeah. It would also be a little weird to have characters having a conversation like with no drinks or food or anything in front of them, right? And that's that is the funny thing that I was thinking, too, is... Most of the time, there is no ordering at all. There's always just food on the table when you get to that scene. If but they don't finish it. No, they, they never even really touch it, if you actually look carefully. They might have one bite, but that would be it. That probably makes it easier for the prop people to not have to keep bringing out fresh meals, right? That's exactly what it is. And you don't want to have the food and you're like, you're going to get full if you have to keep doing <laughs> it over and over again. So yeah, there's always the food, but there's never really eating. There's never really ordering. It's just kind of there. You know, it's like, oh, there it is, food. Fair point. Yeah. There's probably lots of TV tropes around food. There's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's it's all practicality and time, right? Like, even saying what would you like to order and going around the table with characters is taking away time that you can do 
better character yes. development. It's a right? waste of valuable time. Oh, would this. you like some side of fries with that? And it's just like, nobody wants to hear that for a whole table of people. Right. It's the same way. It's the same reason characters don't say goodbye at the end of a phone conversation. It just yes. It's, it's eating up dialogue that does not advance the plot of the characters. Totally. So. Also hilarious though, because you're like, that's one word. I think you could handle it, but no, click. So there you go. You know, I had food arrive too fast one time. Oh my god. Did I ever tell you about that when I ordered that pizza and it got to my house? Yeah, that way wasn't too at a quickly. restaurant though, so it doesn't pertain to this. Okay. <laughs> and Shauna podcast. In a meeting with our boss last week, I was I was telling our boss Jim and Matt Barry about how at Christmas I was relaying the ghost pizza story to all my nieces and nephews. Yes. And McKenna came downstairs in the middle of it, was just like Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not again. But one of them suggested like that the, the ghost pizza story would make a pretty good children's book. It was me. Was that you? Yeah. That was your idea? Yeah, that's what I... Because I, we were talking about that, and then I was like, yeah, it would be hilarious to make a children's book of the ghost pizza story. And then I said, I'm going to look into it and actually maybe try and get one done for your birthday, because that would be hilarious. Really? Mm-hmm. It'd be cool. I'd like to. I mean, I'd like to help write it. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, like to, to work with an illustrator that could like kind of bring it to... Because you can, you can picture in your head... How cool go, the, go, the illustrations in a ghost pizza oh story would be, right? Yeah, the minute I said that, I regretted saying it out loud. I was like, why would I even encourage this? But <laughs> You'll have to hear it more. But when you said, yeah, you were like <laughs> saying it to the children, I was like, that would be pretty funny. It's it, like an illustrated children's book for yeah. the ghost pizza story. Yeah. Because it's a pretty easy concept, pretty easy story to grasp. Kids love pizza. Kids love anything remotely spooky. So. It's true, yeah. Mm, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. I got to look into that. I got to find an illustrator. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the process is like to get a book published, even a children's book. But well, another think, dude in radio did that recently. So he did. He did it all for charity. So yeah. maybe you have a charitable angle. It's it's better. Maybe. And I also wouldn't want like anyone to think that I was poking fun at his children's book. Like, That's his, true. It is, it is for charity. It's a nice thing. Yeah. So maybe you should get know. an animated TV series going instead. I don't know if we could stretch this out over a whole season. Oh, you sure could. Maybe you stretched animated- it out over seven friggin' years. <laughs> It's just the same episode every time. Wait, I've seen this one. You're going through on Netflix? They're all the same. It's the same episode over and over. The kids think it's hilarious. The parents are like, Jesus, not this again. About six months ago. (laughs) Okay. Well, I had forgotten that meeting that that was your idea. The concept was your idea. Okay. Well, if this this becomes a New York Times bestseller, I'll split some of the profits with you. All right? Yeah, just a small cut. That's all I want. Really, it's just to pay me for the amount of times that I've had to hear the story. It's for damages. It. Yes. It's for your suffering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Beckler and Shauna podcast is brought to you by Shane Holmes. Move in sooner to one of Shane Holmes' quicker possession duplexes starting from the 490s. These 1,624 square foot paired homes feature large bedrooms and next level soundproofing. For more info, visit ShaneHolmes.com. Shane Holmes, the better way to build. The Beckler and Shauna podcast. We've joked before about how if you meet a really young couple who Who's married? It's safe. It's safe to bet that they're religious. Yeah. Like sometimes you'll sometimes you'll see people from small towns getting married quite young. You know, like high school sweethearts who, you know, stay in town, start a family, that sort of thing. But more often than not, if someone's married in their early twenties, like twenty twenty one, it's for Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they didn't want to, you know, do the the ditty, the hibbity bibbity before getting married, so they, <laughs> they got married early just so that they could get on it. But I thought of another group that seems to get married quite young pro athletes so often i'll look up uh you know a hockey player or a baseball player or something and this, i'm always surprised that one they're so much younger than me yeah you know oftentimes you'll read about people who are like oh this person was born in the 2000s 
oh my. And then the other thing I always notice is that they're often like married. Sometimes, sometimes you know, they'll be 26 and been married since 2018 or yeah, that you know, is have strange. two kids already, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was unusual. That is a bit strange to think about, yeah. Any theories as to why that might be? Why pro athletes seem to, to get married young? I don't know. Like, you'd have a lot of money that young, so it would be easier to support a family. Yeah, there's that. And I mean, even the cost of a wedding, the cost of establishing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that That's a factor for some people. And, and a pro you, athlete doesn't have that issue. You're traveling a lot, so you're... You're, you know, your lady is kind of alone, so maybe it's like, here, have a baby to deal with it, <laughs> to keep you occupied. You think that's what it's about? No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought of the money angle too, right? It's expensive to get a family started, and if you're a pro athlete, that cost would not be prohibitive. And you could, you uh, know, get people to help, of course, hire help. But The other thing I thought of is that just the demands, just the, what, a, what a pro athlete's life looks like. You, I mean, you often move young. Mm-hmm. You... Uh, you're you're so focused on this one thing that maybe you don't really have time to date and stuff. You know, it's just like so you this see is the, the first lady you want with that, that's for a it. while. Yeah. So, and the last thing I thought of is that I think pro athletes. I mean, especially if you're very well known and if you are quite wealthy, you have to be careful who you're dating because there would be people out there that would just be after you for money and status. Absolutely. And yeah. So maybe you think, okay, well, I'm gonna you know, marry the girl I dated in high school because she was with me before all of this, right? So Interesting theory. Those are the three theories I had. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I haven't seen any stats to show that pro athletes necessarily do get married younger, but it's just, I'm always surprised when I look up, you know, these hockey players, these baseball players, these football players, it's like, whoa, that dude's, you know, 25 and he's been married for several years yeah. already. And I just thought that was unusual. Interesting. So those are the, th- the reasons that I thought that might be the case. Convincing, so, yes. You'd think that, you know, also, though, if you are a pro athlete, you, you'd, you'd have the selection of whoever you want. You so sure would. You wouldn't necessarily want to settle down, but... Maybe it's the paradox of choice, Shauna. Maybe that's it. The paradox of choice. Too much choice. <laughs> the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Have you heard of the Carnival of Ivrea, Beckler? No, no uh, I haven't. So it happens in a small town in Italy every year where groups go head-to-head in a battle of throwing oranges. So I don't okay, know maybe you, I have seen that. Or I've seen the tomato fight. I was going to say, the tomato one is more, uh, that's the traditional one, right? Uh, and that, does that happen in... That Spain? In Barcelona? I think there's quite a few places that it, it happens. Yes, Barcelona. You like my authentic one. pronunciation that of that? That was really Thank good. You. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, but this one is with oranges. And so I guess uh, there's literally thousands of people who whip oranges at one another, which... I mean, or just that, have some weight. That would hurt. Yeah, you could like you that, could brain someone with that. I I was just like I don't. And here I am also being really concerned about trying to you know ruin oranges with my world record because I want to peel the fastest orange. So right. we've been talking about how I'm, I feel it's very wasteful. And then here they are in <laughs> Italy, just dummying thousands of oranges and throwing them at each other. Yeah, your training is a drop in the bucket compared to that. Totally. But then I was thinking about this and I was like, that sounds kind of fun. Sometimes I hear about those massive food fight type things that happen on the streets, and I'm like, that would that would be kind of fun to go to. See, I'm weird about food, and yeah, I've never had any desire you. to take part in any kind of food fight. I just want to throw. I, I mean, I thought you'd be more into it because then you don't have to eat it; you just throw it. That's uh, true. So you take the nasty food you don't like, like tomatoes, and you whip it up. Yeah, I don't want to be covered in it either, though. Oh, I if see. I don't like it, right? Yeah, and then you with smells, even like also like. How is no one getting... Like people got to be getting hurt at this. I'm sure they are. You could really fire an orange. I know. 
I know. The whole thing's... Although, I was like, fight food fight tourism could almost be a thing. Because there's the tomatoes, then there's yeah. the oranges. Uh, there's the, a grape throwing festival as well, which is something else too. And I was like, you could actually make... There's a market for that, hmm. I bet. I would go to thing? different places around the world and throw food. Yeah. I think it would be fun. <laughs> something about throwing food just brings you back to being a child, you know? Also, um, the reason that the Orange Festival became a thing, and this is a bit disturbing, but I guess the town was once ruled by this duke who made it law that he could have his way with every newlywed woman. Oh, really? So he was the one who was in charge of the town, and this orange thing is essentially the reenactment of them chasing this evil duke out of town. The rebellion against him? But that was a law where every newlywed woman would be dragged into his castle. There's a word for that. Prima nocta, I think is what they call it. Oh, my God. He could have his way with her. Do you ever see Braveheart? No. Oh, actually, I did, but I don't remember. This prima nocta was what, like set off the, the chain of events in Braveheart. Really? Because, yeah, this this lord was like, all right, well, it's your wedding night. I get your wife. And he's like, that's fighting words. And then it was on. Okay. That's so, but how so the oranges. Here they used oranges. They just pelted him with oranges. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think the oranges are to represent more violent weapons that they use uh, in real life. okay. <laughs> they didn't chase him out. With the- yeah. So it was still slightly <laughs> violent as we discussed. Allergy. Still going to hurt, but yeah, they... <laughs> Ah! <laughs> just smother him in orange juice, he'll die. Podcast. We've talked briefly about chat GBT mm-hmm. and how eerie it is. It's this chat bot that can imitate real human speak and can write poetry and imitate people's language and do essentially everything. But I never thought of this before. What are universities and colleges doing about this? That's a good question because there was that headline where ChatGPT passed an exam. It was an MBA exam. Wow. Wharton College, maybe? And this is the exact concern that I was thinking. Yeah. But not only exams, but papers. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I was thinking, you have to write a whole bunch of essays and this can essentially do it for you and it can imitate your language so it even looks like you're writing style. Yeah, the thing is, I haven't had a chance to play with ChatGPT yet. Because every time I log on, they say they're over capacity because everyone's trying to play with it right now. Um, But from what I understand, you can recognize the tone that it writes in. Okay. Um, Because I thought that somebody said, like, if you, again, I I don't know exactly how it works, but I thought if you inputted enough of your own stuff that it would then kind of learn your own style. Well, I think it does learn. And I think that's the the big concern is that as as it gets better, like... if it's already almost convincing, it won't be long before it's fully convincing. Yeah. So, because when we were in, when I was in university, we had to submit all of our papers through a program that checked it for plagiarism. Oh, really? So the program would then go through, and it would it would see, and obviously, like if it was in quotes and part of that, that's one thing, but it would see if your paper was recognized on the internet that somebody else had potentially written. Okay. And if it did, of course, you're going to fail. Uh, yeah. So I was like. But this program's too smart. I don't even think that what we had sent it through at the time would work for AI. Maybe it still would, but if it's coming up with its own individual stuff, and that's the whole point, yeah, I don't think that plagiarism program would work for it. That'll be something they'll have to solve for. Yeah. Like, whether there's some sort of signature within a chat GPT. Yeah paper or because as it's developing and unregulated and uh, yeah. people are going to be using it if they think they can get away with it i was listening to this podcast recently where the two hosts were asking chat gpt really controversial questions oh, to man. see how it would answer amazing and it's clearly been programmed not to to wade into any waters that might get it in trouble oh, you know okay. so it takes like very diplomatic all right 
outs when it's asked a really tough question like that. So Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, it, the whole thing still creeps me right out. And again, I know I don't fully understand it, but I feel like colleges and universities are going to be shaking in their boots a little bit. Like, how do we how do we know if people are using it or not? Yeah. No kidding. It's eerie. I guess, though, if you... <laughs> If you had ChatGPT write your paper and then it didn't get a good mark, would you be upset with Chat? But it has access to all the world's information, right? It would. Like and I, said, I mean, that would be, I guess, part of the risk you'd take, but you, you certainly wouldn't be able to call them out on it after. You, th- you think the program would be smarter than you. Like yeah. we've said, it probably won't be long before it can do this job better than we can, right? Because Definitely. Yeah. it wouldn't ever be wrong. Nope. It wouldn't. It would never run out of things to say. That's true. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Unlike us. <laughs> We're flawed. We're so flawed. We're just flawed people. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Sam, who we work with, uh, sent us a message the other day saying that Teletoon is rebranding. Yeah. And he was like, I think we're going to have to do a eulogy for this. We're going to have to. You're absolutely right. Teletoon is is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, many of us grew up with Teletoon. It's an end of an era. Teletoon at night. Yeah. All the cartoons we watched on Teletoon. I know. Um, so we'll do just that. I know we did a we did a eulogy yesterday, but um, we're kind of at the whim of when things happen with the eulogy. It's true. If something comes to an end, gotta eulogize. Gotta it, eulogize it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't plan for death. No, you don't. Would you like to say a few words, Sean, about Teletoon? Yes, please. We are gathered here today to remember Teletoon, a Canadian cartoon network that everybody used to watch with shows like Pokemon and Animaniacs and. Angela Anaconda, even the Jetsons. We grew up with Teletoon, and Teletoon aged with us. As we got older, we graduated to Teletoon at night. Thundergrads and Clone High or Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Then there was Teletoon Retro, where you'd relive your childhood with Reboot and Babar and Alvin and the Chipmunks and Thundercats. It had something for everybody. And we're going to miss the hell out of that. Alas, now it's said to become the Cartoon Network, which, what a lame-ass name that is. Just the Cartoon Network. Or is it going to be called Boomerang now? No, it's not then, entirely clear. No, the current Cartoon Network is becoming oh, Boomerang. Okay. Very so confusing they're, they're things all shifting. happening. It, why? Huh. Stupid. Anyway, Teletoon should still be around. It's fine. <laughs> Angela to Angela. Dexter to Dexter. Becker, do you nice. have a musical tribute for Just us? a quick one. Just okay, a quick great. one for you. Great. Never mind, I'll find... Someone like Toon. <laughs> Boo. Boo. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. A Calgary Heritage Moment. Just 30 minutes north of Calgary is the hamlet of Balzac, Alberta. It's a fairly well-known hamlet, mostly due to its unique name, but the history of Balzac is also interesting. Balzac was home to a railway station that began operating in 1910. A post office was established in 1912 under the name Beddington, but the name was quickly changed to Balzac. It was named by the then president of Canadian Pacific Railway, William Cornelius Van Horn. Quite the distinguished sounding name, but yes, a horn named Balzac in honor of his favorite writer, Honor de Balzac. The writer was known for being one of the founders of realism in European literature. Ten years after the Balzac railway station started operating, the Balzac Trading Company was formed by a group of local farmers. They quickly got to work and built a loading platform and a store, which has served as many different businesses over the years, from a gas station to a general meeting place to another post office. The first mail carrier in the area was a man by the name of Gus Gruen, and he actually has a plaque dedication in Balzac. He served from Edmonton to Calgary on horseback, and in 1879, his horse was injured in Olds, so he walked for three days without food or shelter. He 
was snow blind and exhausted and passed through the area of Balzac in his travels. He was found dead a short while later, and a memorial is now dedicated to him in the center of town. A grain elevator was built in 1925, and the Balzac Hall was built three years later, which is still the hub of Balzac to this day. It's an interesting place in that it's so small, yet has one of the biggest malls located right next to it in Cross Iron Mills. Of course, Balzac is also home to famous Balzac Billy, the gopher that dictates if spring is near based on the appearance of his shadow every Groundhog Day. This has been a Calgary Heritage Moment. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Paired homes that keep your neighbor's noise on their side. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at x92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later. Later.